and welcome to the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. Today's guest is Wes Coker and Amy Theobald in the case of the Peculiar Pine Puzzle. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. The long, lazy days of summer had arrived. The evening sun was setting a little bit earlier. The growth of the grass in my client's yards had come to a standstill, and I had finally caught up on jobs that had been scheduled since before the last frost in May. One thing that hadn't ebbed was the temperature in southern Wisconsin. As we rolled into town, we learned it had surged to a balmy 90 degrees Fahrenheit, 32 Celsius, for the sixth day in a row. Our planned route to the ISA annual conference and trade show in Milwaukee included a stop at a new client's house in Waukesha, which is just outside the city. We knew we'd enjoy ourselves at the conference, but meeting in Brew City would be a special treat. Taking a few days off from detective duty to catch up on the latest arboricultural research and meet up with old friends is always great. And this year, I devote some extra time to some special research. Visiting Milwaukee's prolific and prosperous pubs. A woman named Jamie Juglins had called my office about a few rapidly deteriorating Austrian pines, Pinus nigra, in a windbreak on her property in the south side of town. Coded and I were on the case. The first thing we saw as we pulled up to the house was the extensive collection of whirligigs, duck decoys, weather vanes, and other outsider art covering the lawn, flanking the sidewalk leading to the door and standing sentry from every corner of the front of the house. It turned out that Jamie was a curator at the Milwaukee Art Museum, incidentally, an institution with a great collection, with a stunning view of Lake Michigan, and specializes in American folk art. She obviously enjoys what she does, surrounding herself with the fruits of her research personally and professionally. A red-haired woman rose from a porch swing with a thick book in hand and walked over to greet us. I'm so glad that you could come by, said Jamie, extending her hand to coat it in me. The honeydews speak so highly of your work. It's our pleasure, ma'am. That's quite a lot of uh, whatchamahoosits you've got there, Coated said, gesturing toward the house. The whimsical works are wondrous, I agreed. Yes, thanks. My collection is growing and changing all the time. She said, smiling. Here's the group of trees I called you about. My family and I had them planted about 20 years ago. They've always been really healthy until early July when one by one they started to go downhill fast. The art was so amusing that we hadn't yet noticed the row of Austrian pines planted along the property line. Out of the approximately 30 trees, it was apparent that six of the pines were not in good shape. Equally obvious was the fact that there was no discernible pattern to the trees that were declining. Three healthy trees, one declining, one healthy, two declining, and so on. Looks like whatever is affecting these trees can't make up its mind about what to do, Coded mumbled. I always look for physical and abiotic factors first, just like you taught me, Detective, but I can't figure out what stressors could cause this kind of pattern. The abnormally dry summer could certainly have increased the stress level of these trees, my young apprentice, but I'm inclined to agree with you. Environmental stress is only one chapter of this suspicious saga. Coded scratched his chin. I've never seen such a severe case of diplodia blight. The whole tree is dying. Wait a second, Coded. Diplodia isn't a foregone conclusion here, since it usually starts by affecting only the needle tips. Let's get a sample of an affected branch to look for pinhead-sized black fruiting bodies embedded in the brown needles. That will go further to confirming your suspicion. As the three of us walked toward the trees, 
some key indicators of the culprit started accumulating. The six affected pines were declining from the top down, but unlike specimens with many needle diseases, the needles remained attached to their twigs. Kodit snipped a twig in the upper canopy with a pole pruner so we could get a closer look. Nope, no fruiting bodies. And the needles don't appear to be declining from the tips, but are completely discolored. What's up with that? I'm used to seeing these grayish-green colored needles on spruce, picea trees, but not on Austrian pines. Although I can't be 100% sure without lab analysis, Kodit, I've got a strong hunch that our culprit here is one that arborists in Japan might be all too familiar with. The fact that not all of the trees were affected and that the trees initiated symptoms of decline at different times helps rule out physical factors or herbicide damage. The cause of these trees' degeneration required the responsible pathogen to be transported from tree to tree by an unsuspecting host, the pine sire beetle, Monocamus species. In combining Jamie's location in the upper Midwest with every symptom we observed and the species of the affected trees, it all led me to one primary suspicion, pine wilt disease. The nematode that causes pine wilt disease is called the pine wood nematode, Bursifolentius xylophilus and is only about one millimeter in length. It is transported from tree to tree by the pine sawyer beetle. When the beetle feeds on the tree, the nematode emerges from the beetle's respiratory system and enters the tree through the feeding wounds. Once in the tree, the nematode, which looks like a microscopic worm, unsegmented, travels through the tree via xylem's resin canals from the trunk to the branches and into the roots. The nematode travels throughout the tree and feeds on cells surrounding water-conducting tissues disrupting the tree's water supply, causing rapid death, usually within a few short weeks or months, and especially with the onset of hot weather. Because of the quick death, the trees retain their dead brown needles, making the trees killed by the disease strikingly obvious when observed next to healthy pines. As I explained the likely cause to Jamie and Kodit, a mournful look came across Jamie's face. Is there anything we can do to save my pine trees? I'm afraid not, for the ones that are already infected. Once trees are showing symptoms like these, there is no cure. The beetles and nematodes can emerge at various times throughout the summer, making pesticide cost prohibitive and ineffective. The only thing to try is to limit the spread of the disease to healthy trees. We'll need to remove and destroy these six, ideally before the beetles emerge from the wood. I paused and reflected on the weather. I know it's tempting, given the chilly winters that you experience here, but it isn't safe to hold the wood for firewood. Hopefully, with some quick action, we'll limit the impact on the rest of the group. I could tell Jamie was sad, but felt confident in our evaluation and diagnosis. Okay, then. Can you give me an estimate and get started on the removal soon? While Coda went back to the truck to fetch what we needed, I sat down on Jamie's front steps and took out my smartphone. ISA has a great app for the conference this year, where I had been watching the countdown till the event, accessing details on the educational sessions and presenter biographies, and customizing my own schedule for attending the sessions throughout the conference. I remembered there was a feature that was going to come in handy at the end of the workday, the info booth. That particular section of the app had a Visit Milwaukee link 
listing a lot of things to explore in Brew City, including suggestions for dining and nightlife. When Coda returned, he looked over my shoulder, smiled, and said, What's on tap for tonight, boss? We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ArborPod Detective Dandro series. You can earn CEUs for these podcasts. Just log in at the ISA store, click on online CEU quizzes, and find the Detective Dendro quizzes. Stay tuned for the next ones. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. Arbor